Hello and welcome to the Delphian podcast. Delphian is an artist-led nomadic gallery focusing on emerging and early career artists. Each episode will feature a different art world practitioner, from artists and gallerists to collectors and curators. If you liked today's episode, please like, share and subscribe. Hello and welcome to the Delphian Podcast. My name is Benjamin Murphy and I'm joined as always by Nick J.S. Thompson. Hello. Hello. Um, with us today is Sung Young Hwang, a South Korean painter who is known for ethereal abstracts that are in her own words, an accumulation of different tempos, time, gesture and emotion. Hello. Hi, I'm Sung Young. Hey. Nice Thank to you be for here. Coming. Uh, thanks for inviting me here. That's okay. So how did you become an artist and do you think you were always destined to be creative in some way? Um, um, I can't really remember how I decided to be an artist because I've never had a decisive moment that made me start art. But when I was young, I always liked to draw and paint and I was always um, doodling, almost like scribbles. And I can remember how I felt while I was creating something at the time. It was such an... It was a feeling of such an intense concentration, which made me feel as if I didn't really belong in any time or anywhere in the world. Um, it allows me to um, get in touch with my inner world, giving me some time alone, completely disconnected from my surroundings and the outside world. Um, it was a kind of um, separation between me and the world. And I felt like um, I was inside the painting or drawing that I was making at the time. And I still feel that way um, while I'm painting now, or even when I'm just in the studio, no matter what I do, just um, sitting for hours doing nothing but looking at my paintings in silence. I don't really like a um, noisy place or crowd or loud music, these kind of things. I just can't stand with them. But however, painting in a studio is a calm and quiet, but very intense moments to concentrate myself. So it leads me into a completely different world with a um, totally different flow of times, um, creating a sense of temporal or spatial boundless within my painting. So the act of painting for me is a kind of um, meditation for me or um, silent contemplation to um, experience the um, liminal moments and I almost feel like uh, I'm becoming a part of it in that deep environment. I think this is why I'm doing art. So did you always have this creative urge? Yeah. Was it always directed towards painting? Oh, uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. So are your works inspired by emotions that you wish yeah. to record? Or, uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like, I mean, I always say... Um, my work is an outcome of my physical, psychological, sensory, or emotional experience of the world around me and how I respond to them, so my relationship with them. So it isn't intended to be read as figurative or um, recognizable elements as it doesn't directly depict anything. Um, but some of the layers in my painting might suggest a sense of figuration, like a sense of landscape, but most of them have um, metaphorically internalized or purely abstract images drawn from my inner world. So while I'm painting, um, I almost um, unconsciously and automatically look back on the things that I've seen, felt, or experienced, almost like uh, having a flashback. 
and sometimes a particular memory or emotion suddenly pops into my head for no reason. Or maybe there's a reason that I'm not aware of. So my painting can be described as a physical manifestation of the unconscious and incoherent flow of my memories, thoughts, emotion, or impressions that pass through my mind at the time. And the process of painting for me to um, internalize and then visualize those invisible accumulation like a psychological or emotional imprint by exploring um, a boundary between visible and invisible and internal and external. So different states of my mind during painting dictate the direction in which my image goes, I think. So the works, the works are a visual record of your own emotions, essentially. Yeah, yeah. How much do you consider what emotions these works will create in the viewer? Is that a uh, consideration or is it? Oh, uh, I mean, I think my work is very open to interpretation. I mean, I'm more interested in how my work feels rather than how it, what it might appear to be and how it listen to the viewer rather than how it speak to the viewer. So um, I wanted to ask the viewer what they're really looking at through my painting. Um, and ignite the viewer's um, sensory or um, psychological response to my painting first before the analytical one. And that moment is that is that when um, I mean the meaning um, reveal itself when the viewers transform what they felt experienced within my work into their own um, meaningful images. And this is when a painting becomes personal to whoever is viewing it. And I quite like these kind of things. But so you don't try and control how they will read it? No, never, never. Yeah, I think every painting has like different views and different meanings for different people. And I really wanted to, the, yeah, open. You want to leave it as open yeah, to interpretation yeah. as possible? Yeah. So you've recently been on some residencies, right? Oh, yeah. Over the over the summer, how, how did they yeah. go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I participated in um, three residency um, so far. Um, how long were they each? Oh, it's just, it was. I mean, the this one, the most recently, I participated in a residency in Lisbon, and that was a month long residency at um, Hanga Artist Research Centre. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, that was my second visit to Lisbon. My um, first visit was uh, last year, while I on a family trip. And the weird thing was like, uh, um, I actually found Porto much more attractive than Lisbon, but I didn't feel like I wanted to visit Porto again. But in contrast, I really wanted to visit Lisbon again, and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. It's still, I still don't know why, but as soon as I mean, I just I don't know. As soon as I come back, I just started to search residency in Lisbon and found Hangar Artist Research Center, and then I applied to it. Um, I mean, obviously there are so many benefits of residency. You can experience a city you find interesting, and living there for a month or two or even longer if you have a proposal and if you plan well. And I experienced Lisbon by walking because I love to go for a long walk alone and I love to climb <laughs> stairs. Uh, and the Lisbon is um, well known as a city of stairs and I know most people hate it, but I <laughs> love it. And this is the best part of Lisbon for me. <laughs> so, I mean, I had an app on my phone and then I check how, you know, it has a, like an accounting, <laughs> yeah. you know, things. So 
on every Tuesday, I walk like uh, 10 miles and I climb <laughs> 50 <laughs> stairs a day. Wow. So, yeah, so I, you know, it's like so every morning and evening, I just walk around and I just, you know, climb all Does the stairs. Does that provide inspiration for your works? Yeah, because I mean, walking, I feel like the process of walking is very similar to the process of my painting. Because when I walk, I, I mean, walking for me is kind of meditation. And again, meditation is a really important part of my painting. So I feel that's very similar to the act of painting for me. And then, um, yeah, so I really enjoyed climbing the city every morning and evening during my stay there. And I also met a lot of nice people and great artists there. Um, usually most people you met um, at the university are around your age. But um, a participating artist, including me, or, or different ages and from different countries, like from uh, Canada, Chile, Mozambique, France, the US, and Germany, and me <laughs> from South Korea, but living in London. So yeah, and also we all use the different materials to make art. I was the only painter there. But we share the common interest in exploring a city and the process-based works. And what's interesting was that the director of the residency didn't necessarily consider and intend this when they selected artists. I suppose artists with similar interests are more likely to apply to the same residency, I think. And we talk a lot about our common interests and different cultures, and I learned a lot from the conversation. Um, and compared to school, what I'd learned during the residency was less academic, but more practical. And the best thing about participating in residency was that I could be away from my work and studio and made something new, something more experimental in a totally different situation. And while I was talking with another resident artist at the beginning of the residency, I was so inspired by what she said. Uh, she told me she decided to go on a photo diet, not taking photos during her stay. And I thought oh, that's very similar to what I was going to do because the idea of having fewer layers in my drawings was a kind of diet or detox and limiting myself to one or two layers or maximum of three layers, which was um, considerably fewer compared to the number of the layer in my paintings. I really enjoyed making drawings with fewer layers for the first few weeks, but after a couple of weeks, I got a little tired and bored of being on a diet and instinctively back to the layering again, but in a different way. So I cut out some pieces of shapes or gestures from the drawings and stick them together by playing with different arrangements and placement. So my experience of artist residency helped me to see myself, my work and the world around me um, from a different perspective. Do you think they're important for artists to do, go on residencies? Yeah, I think especially like if you're, I mean, I could re-examine my ideas and experiment with something new far away from my studio. So if you want to like uh, be away from your walk and try something new, that, that would be perfect opportunity, I think. I mean, if I worked only in my studio in London, making only drawing, only paintings as a usual, it would take a long time for me to make drawings again. So it's about stepping outside your comfort zone. Yeah, maybe. yeah. But you're still creating something, but far away from your usual practice and your studio. So it mm -hmm. could be really, you know, 
interesting point to mm. start and re-examining things. How do you balance creating your work, f- creating freely and for the fun of it, and balance that with the fact that you know that people are going to be viewing the painting at the end? How, how do you balance that? Uh, I mean, uh, I believe in the process rather than the end result. So my work doesn't begin with a plan. And I don't really have a particular inspiration or the end result in my mind when I get started. It's because I'm, I think I'm quite skeptical about how successfully I could achieve as planning my work. I feel, I personally feel planning is quite unreliable. Yeah, whenever I try and plan a piece. Yeah. It never works out. Yeah, (laughs) it could be very easily changed or go right. And also I don't like to, I hate, you know, to panic and feel um, despair or lost when things don't work out as planned. But of course, some artists definitely need planning before they start to make works because some kind of works need to be um, meticulously planned in advance. Mm. But, and also I know, um, of course, I know having a plan could help reduce anxiety, but I think it could also control you and limit your choice, especially in abstract painting, I think. So when I'm thinking about making a new work, it's not like I think about a particular inspirational idea and and draw it in a sketchbook and transform it into a painterly language on canvas. I don't like uh, to dissociate planning from making. So it's more like uh, I directly work on the canvas with a reference to the preliminary sketches, drawings, or um, photographs. So there are so many opportunities that sometimes I feel it's too hard to decide where to go. So my initial marks on the canvas are a starting point for the development of my ideas and images that I've thought about over a period of time. And how do you know when a piece is finished? Uh, That's that's quite hard. I mean, it's always very hard. Um, I mean... Uh, every day before I start to walk, I always take some photos of my walk in progress mm-hmm. to um, to record the entire process on, and also to um, keep following it. And at some point during the painting process, I come to know when the walk is heading and when I want it to be heading and when and how close it is to the final image. I mean, as... Um, as the entire process happens only on the canvas, each painting has its own sense of the passage of time within the painting, and there comes a time when it seems to reach the end spontaneously. So I just uh, sit in front of it as the first viewer when I feel the painting is finished, and then look at it long enough to view it in different ways from a distance or taking a closer look at it and at different day- times of the day. And also, I turn it around for a while, and then I return to it with fresh eyes to decide whether it's really finished or not. So deciding to finish a painting is most difficult and time-consuming part of my work. Mm. It usually takes a few weeks or sometimes, I mean, to make that decision, sometimes it takes a few months. Mm. And the longer it takes, that means the closer it is to the end. Um, and then sometimes people ask me if a painting is finished and they 
um, question was different when my answer was no, but after a few weeks, yes, even though nothing has actually changed <laughs> yeah. it. And then I don't think so. It's my last brush stroke that I finished my painting with, but I always let it end with viewing because paintings often look different after some times. I don't know whether I've changed it with the fresh eyes or um, the paintings have changed as they've dried. But maybe both. Yeah. <laughs> so either way, this is the reason why I always look at them for a long time to mm. decide to finish. So as your works are physical transcriptions of emotional states, how do the paintings differ based on how your emotional state was when you created them? And mm -hmm. are there are they are there any emotional states that are more conducive to creating mm -hmm. more successful paintings? And how do the how do the paintings differ? based on how your emotions are when you're creating them? Uh, I mean, I mean, as I say, it's more like an accumulation of my everyday uh, emotions or feeling and thoughts that pass through my mind. So if I started one painting when I feel, for example, like sad or something, but the next day I could feel much better or like uh, excited or something. So the painting never had a, like a same emotions until yeah. they finished, but it's more like they have a kind of accumulation of everyday you know, feelings or mood of my mm -hmm. inner world or something. That's why it's quite hard for me to title my work because I don't really have a, like a, as I say earlier, I don't really have any particular inspiration of the end result in my mind. So while the work is in progress, I don't really know what it will look like. So they are more like a combination of like a different like emotions or feelings. So they are never like a representing like one specific things from mm. my mind. Can you explain a little bit about the importance of color in your work and how you select these colors and what these colors represent? Thanks. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is one of the most frequently asked questions of my paintings. Um, but my choice of a color is in a conscious decision. Rather than having a plan or intent, I tend to make the decision based on my intuition and instinct. It's because I'm so influenced by the advice from tutorial. I mean, it's one of the best advices I ever received from tutorials at college. It was a develop your intuition. So I've been trying to um, improve my intuition by achievement, mistakes, failures, or any kind of experience that I've gone through during the painting process. While I'm painting, I don't really know what colors to use and why, but I just know that if a color suggests the echo of the earlier layers or of my emotion or memory, in my mind in any way is worth getting painted. So I'm more interested in like a uh, um, conversation between different rhythms, gestures, um, or <clears throat> temperature that each individual color has and how they respond to each other when they mingle together on a canvas. I also like to uh, play with varying degrees of opacity and transparency to create a sense of depth in my work. And maybe this is because uh, I have a sensitivity to light. Um, and I think it has 
definitely affecting my color palette because I've been suffering from uh, um, difficulty concentrating and dizziness in artificial light, especially in fluorescent lighting. So without natural light coming in, I feel so uncomfortable, weird, um, anxious, or even as if I'm in a dream, losing a sense of reality. And so I like to use uh, muted and desaturated colors in my painting always. Um, I don't know, I just can't stand looking at bright or strong colors for long. So if I have them on my canvas, I always, not always, I tend to uh, partially cover them with a veil of translucent color to desaturate them. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Do you think that the art world in general, this is going very off topic, <laughs> do you think the art world is too Western focused? Mm -hmm. um, do you think it's still harder for a non-Western artist to become visible as an artist in the West? Oh, uh, well, it's a very good question, <laughs> but it's hard to answer because um, I was born and raised in South Korea. Mm. And after I graduated from high school, I came to London to study fine art at the Slate School of Fine Art. And then after my undergraduate course at the Slate, I went back to Korea and stayed there for a couple of years. And then I came back to London again and then complete my MA in painting at the Royal College. And so, and then, so it was almost like uh, I'd spent many years like uh, going back and forth to study. And then after I graduated from my college, I was given a free studio in Beau Art for a year as part of um, um, winning the Chadwell over my graduation of the Royal College. So for me, like, uh, I was quite lucky because of this award, because I, I mean, they provide me with a um, bridge between art school and practice as a professional artist. So it was a great opportunity for me to develop my ideas and paintings in a supportive environment. So, yeah, so I mean, if I didn't have this award, it would be much harder for me to settled down in London art scene as a non-Western like, um, artist. But the transition between student life and professional practice during that time with their support, I could fully focus on my studio practice. And I had a, not only financial support from them, but also like um, mentally, I, I think I'm supported a lot from them. So, it was quite, yeah, again, I was so lucky. So it was quite easier compared to other, like a non-Western artists. So speaking as, a, as an early career artist, mm -hmm. how do you go about getting your work seen, okay. getting your work visible? And what advice would you give to other young early career artists? Uh -huh. um, I think um, it's really important to keep going. <laughs> It's very, like, I know many people say about this, but this is really important, I think. And this is what I'm still struggling to do. Um, I mean, um, from my own experience, um, the transition from student life to professional practice was one of the hardest thing, again. And I came to realize it was a real starting point as an artist after graduation. So, I mean, 
it's true that when you graduate from our school, your degree show will have uh, countless visitors and receive so much attention from galleries, collectors, or the public. And there are so many opportunities only for those who are fresh out of college, like open calls or competition yeah. or something. But it's also true that most of them will have fewer opportunities after a year or two. And there comes a time when there's nothing lined up. Mm-hmm. It is. It can be very disappointing and frustrating, but that's the reality. And you have to just face it and keep making your art consistently and steadily. And I know it isn't easy to walk persistently with um, uncertainty and anxiety about your future. And that's what I'm still very struggling to do every day. <laughs> and also, I think most artists are not bound by a specific time schedule and a fixed rule. And this can make them even more irregular, um, random or unstable. And I mean, I'm sometimes too passionate to leave my studio feeling that I can walk overnight until the next morning. Uh, and then I'm sometimes too lazy to even get out of my bed and go into the studio. So, but I'm still, str- I'm still trying to keep a balance between work and life which is really important. And I think it may be helpful to have your own system, like a time schedule or your own rule or something to manage your time well. Yeah, and also I feel, I mean, I believe in honesty. So if you try to be honest to your work, it will be honest to you as well. And also the viewer would respond to your honesty, I think. Okay, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, it's my pleasure. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) Cheers.